Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike's Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you with the word. We're glad to have you with us today. Today, we're going to do a podcast concerning the Asbury University revival. Of course, we know there has been a revival breakout uh, or a move of God breakout at Lee University, Cedarville University. I, I think it's called the Sanford Seminary, and of course, other places around the country. But uh, I wanted to speak to it for just a few minutes, if you'll allow me today. Uh, I, I welcome all of those of you from around the world that are hearing this. I want you to pay close attention to what I'm going to share today because the Holy Spirit has uh, awakened me this morning with this on my heart. And as I sat down to write it, I really did not know exactly what to write and how the Holy Spirit was going to bring it to fruition. However, he has done so, and uh, we want to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That is crucial and critical at this moment. It is crucial and critical at this moment if we are to capitalize on what has been going on in these various parts of the country on university campuses. It is critical that we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. Then let us apply it to our lives and be changed into the image of your dear Son. Holy Spirit, reveal the words of Jesus to us. We will receive them and release them to your people and give you all the glory and all the honor and praise in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. So, I, I hope you along with me and such radio or television news programs as Fox News and Newsmax have been following the revival at Asbury University. This has been an amazing thing to follow. God has been doing great things for the people who have so faithfully pursued His presence. I've seen people of all ages involved in this experience, but I want this to be heard. At the core of this move of God, there are young people. Those young people are between the ages of 18, 22 to 24 years old. This should bring into perspective for our church leaders that the current worship settings may seem to be acceptable to young people, but they must not be acceptable to God. From what I've seen, there's been a freedom to worship that must be recognized. With that recognition, some elements of the worship must be identified and we must listen to the Holy Spirit. Number one, there was no choreographed program that precipitated this meeting. Although music has been played and sung, the reports are that often the crowd and the singing of the crowd overshadows, overruns, and overrides the music, and the music is not heard. This, of course, is totally contrary to what we have developed and designed worship to become out of the wisdom and the mind of man. God is showing us the way he wants it done. Of course, when 1,500 people join in singing, this is as it should be. The issue with today's worship is the congregation is not really doing the singing, the performers are. 
Now the worshiper who is operating in spirit and truth becomes because the crowd, the individual is worshiping above the music, they become the focus of worship and not those who are performing. The music, my friend, is an avenue for the worship journey. It is not the destination. Testimonies from the worshipers are provided at different points along the way. And of course, these are very uplifting and they are passionate from the heart. The modern church has taken all of these forms away from the worshiper. Asbury has shown us the presence of God and the fact that it dwells in what the worshiper does, not what the system does. Now, there was a church in every video that I have seen that was full of light, that was full of the ability to see and be seen, and that reminds me of the holy place that was laden in gold and lit by the candlesticks of the seven candles. There was light here. Darkness is obviously not where the presence of God dwells. And it certainly is not where the presence of God is going to be retained. When darkness becomes the structure of the worshiper, the spirit of that worship makes men their own little gods. The service is about what is done by the performers and not what is done by the worshipers. In the Asbury Revival, everyone in the sanctuary can see everyone else. They can watch them worship. They can feed off of their and be fed by their worship. They can be encouraged by the worship of those around them and they can be freed to worship or they can feel free to operate in the Spirit of God as the Spirit moves them individually. The light becomes a safe haven for the worshiper. It becomes a place where the presence and power of God can be seen, felt, and experienced. The worshiper could see, hear, and be moved by the power of a testimony that has great passion. Again, the modern church has removed this from the experience of those congregants who come to their church seeking worship. There was no light show used to draw people to what we see as a performance. There's nothing done that you would say has great entertainment value. There's nothing done to distract the worshiper from the power and the presence of Jesus Christ through the Spirit. The well-lit worship center was an atmosphere that was filled with the presence and the joy of the Lord and the spirit of truth manifested, and the glory of God is not only exposed, but expressed to his people. Now there was a preacher, but he was sharing prior to the presence of the Lord manifesting. If I'm not mistaken, he spoke on a message that had in its core the love of God. But as we have taught our church world to follow the one centralized leader, this has not been the case in this particular move of God. 
People of all walks of life have expressed their hearts before the other worshipers. People of all relationships to Jesus Christ have been freed to share. Some of them are relatively new in Christ. Some are older. But all are passionately speaking about the Jesus who loved them, changed them, and of whom they so deeply love. Most would say that these are not mature enough to speak or that haven't had enough experience to earn the right to be heard. Maybe they would say they don't know enough about the Word of God. But this we do know. They are worshiping out of their inner man. They are bringing forth words that are encouraging the church from their inner man. The Scripture is clear on this from Psalms 8, 1 and 2. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hast set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. Acts 2, 16 through 18, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. My friend, this is a move of God. It's from his wisdom. It's not from the wisdom of man. It's not from the mechanical systems of man. It's from the move of God. This move of God has produced spontaneous worship. Passion is on display as the Spirit moves people. The heart of God is on display as He reveals Himself to His people. The voice of Jesus Christ is being heard as people are bowing the knee to His Lordship. The Holy Spirit is revealing the areas where people need to be and get corrected. Therefore, he is doing exactly what Jesus said he would do in bringing reproof to the people in John 16, 8 and 9. There have been liberating testimonies. Out of the mouth, of course, the heart speaks. Encouragement has come from the inner man, and I want you to bear knowledge of that. I want you to hear that. This is the inner man speaking. The message of peace and joy has come from what the blood of Jesus Christ has accomplished in the believer. These have been lucid testimonies. They've been on point, and they have been in harmony with the moment. They've been heard by all with ears that are prepared by worship to listen. Testimonies that are given to the unprepared become laborious and are met with a, uh, uh, an attitude of, can you hurry up? But when worship is done correctly, the heart of the one giving the testimony is coordinated with the moment. Therefore, the heart of the hearer is as well. The result, of course, is a message that edifies, uplifts, and encourages everyone. We as a church... And church leadership have eliminated this vital aspect of church and individual growth and development. We've eliminated the support that is so desperately needed from one to another. We've eliminated the ability of our kindred spirits to pray for us because we've stopped telling the story. 
We've done so as leaders intentionally. And the church has suffered. God is showing us the mechanism that pleases him. That mechanism is ministry one to another. That mechanism is laying hands on people, praying for the sick, and in so you being healed. Of course, there have been healings throughout this uh, process. They've been identified. There have been those who have been um, delivered during this process. This has been a great time. Now where there is worship, my friend, now get this, where there is worship in the presence of God that has come from the presence of God, there will always be manifestations. The needs of the people are brought into these worship services seeking the presence and the power of God. They've come often with purpose, just like they did in Jesus' day. And if you read Luke 4.18, you can see the sorts of issues that are brought to the Lord. Those that are coming to him under the spirit of the Lord, the beggar, the broken, the bruised, the blind, those in bondage, all coming into him. In worship, where praise and adoration brings honor to God and to the work of Jesus Christ, his lordship is always expressed. In this expression of lordship, signs, wonders, and miracles are to be expected. Why is that? Because everything that has a name bows to his lordship. And when you bring his lordship over yourself, every circumstance and situation, every organ, every item, every detail of your life is brought under the magnifying glass of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Why in this structure and under these conditions would the Lordship of Jesus Christ manifest itself? Well, because light is the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. And it is the atmosphere of his dear son. As a matter of fact, John 1 tells us that he is light, life, and illumination. In this kingdom of purity, holiness, and righteousness, the presence of God exists to minister the promises of God that are all in Christ Jesus. Grace always meets where faith in Jesus Christ as the substance and the evidence of our faith is expressed. So as they've expressed faith in the light, the name of Jesus Christ, who is eternal, personal. He is light, life, and illumination. He is salvation. He is glory. He is light, or he is truth, and he is grace. He is creator. As they have come to him and expressed faith in who he is, the light of who he is, and been enlightened by who he is, that exposes the love of God the wisdom of God, and holiness from which he reveals himself by the expressions of deliverance, healing, and manifestations of the Spirit. We saw in one video that they were giving financially to help a man. This is also a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, tenderness, and faith. People were used to pray for one another and to minister to one another. 
Well, my friend, this is nothing more than a book of Acts structure for the church that the church has placed on the back burner. We have said if the ministry doesn't lay hands on you, if the ministry doesn't pray for you, then you'll not get to go because that's what we've seen and that's what we've been taught. We've taught people to follow the leader. My friend, many of our leaders are not following under the, re the correct truth. Therefore, God is showing us in Asbury that the believer operates in the same power of Jesus' name that anybody else does. The believer has the same five elements that come out of him as anybody else does. You remember that? They cast down devils, speak with new tongues. Nothing inside them or outside them hurts them. They lay hands on the sick and they recover. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed with signs following. You remember that? He's saying to us in these ministry manifestations, this is how I do my business by people that are willing to surrender themselves and bow before my lordship. Singing has been done with hymns. They've used older hymns. They've used older choruses and some contemporary songs. The style of the music has reached across the eras. The message, of course, has been received by everyone. Songs have been led by random worshipers, and as they sang, the crowd join in. This is the system of true worship because it's at the heart of worship. It is not a performance that is done until we have sung our songs and we're ready to walk off the stage. I've seen this happen too frequently. I've seen it happen from other college uh, singing groups where they did all of the theatrics, walked off the stage and had nothing left to participate in the preaching or learning of the word of God. This is the system of true worship. In this system, there is more basking and listening and waiting than emotional outbursts, than rocking back and forth, than dancing. People stand with hands raised. They utter out of their mouths honor and praise to God as they worship Him for who He is, for the manifestation that is. They are coming out of their inner man, not out of their flesh. Their mind is operating out of what's on the inside of them. Of course, in this we see little or no dancing or worldly looking responses. And the question is, why is that? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, the inner man is at worship. The mind responds to the inner man. And the flesh must respect the genesis, the place from which worship comes from. Now, there is a reverse of this. There's flesh-driven worship, and it is the antithesis of true worship, and God is showing us through these meetings what real worship looks like. It is never done with a light show. It's never done in dark. It's never done when worshipers can't see one another. It is never done by a choreographed show. It is never done by spotlights. It is never done by flashing lights. It is never done by uh, uh, lights that are used to uh, uh, flash around the room in different colors, mood lights. It's never done in that. It's done when the worshiper worships from his inner man listens and hears what the Holy Spirit is speaking. 
Now our world right now is attempting through the flesh to go where our inner man is not prepared to go. The result of that is a tired and worn out person who had little or nothing to offer to the preaching or teaching of the word of God. Here in the Asbury ministry and around these colleges, we see the presence of God and how that presence weighs upon the worshiper. How he sits and ministers upon the worshiper. Their inner man is offering praise. Their mind is activated and their mouth speaks words of honor. They're energized in the inner man. The love of God bathes the inner man. And their emotions, of which have no lasting value, their flesh, placed on the back burner. It's in check. People have flowed in and out of the movement during the course of the experience. Entrance into the sanctuary is done with reverence. Exit is done with reverence. Preparation is made while waiting outside. This is consistent with the tabernacle experience as the preparations were all done outside the gate. Now inside, now that they have prepared, their inner man is ready to be fed. Oh, if we could see this through this, the value, the value of prior proper preparation. It would prevent the poor performance of lackluster worship. If we could see the value of listening, if we could see the value of the Holy Spirit's message to our inner man and our mind, of course the church worship style today does not lend itself to these. We've learned to hear a voice, but it's the voice of a man who generally is trying to motivate us and tell us how great we are and tell us how heaven is our home regardless of how we live, what we do, what we say, and how we act. We've learned to hear or read a word. But from that word, it has no ear of revelation. It's no more than a novel. We've learned to come into the house of God empty and leave empty. I wish we could talk directly to those in these meetings and ask them if they are filled with the presence and power of God when they come in, when they worship, and then when they leave. And the impact upon them as they leave this ministry. Of course, we've been told by all of our worldly preachers today, the love of God will fill the empty void. So just don't worry about it. You have a DNA of a seed in you. I want to tell you about that seed. The Holy Ghost woke me up in the middle of the night. He showed me something about a seed. Do you know a seed is a great thing, but in a jar, it does nothing. Until it is planted into the ground and moisture and pressure and temperature come upon it, it will never sprout. You can put a seed in a jar, you can talk to it, you can tell it how great it is, you can tell it you're going to someday be somebody if you'll just work a little harder. You can tell that seed you're the best looking seed in the world and I'm so proud of you. But as long as that seed remains uncultivated, unplanted, untrained, it will remain nothing more than a seed. 
nothing more than a seed. We've been told the love of God will fill our voids and we've been lied to about it. We've got to cultivate this worship. Those at Asbury have found a much different experience with our God. There are currently, of course, three buildings being used as a worship center. What does that say to me? It says that the location of worship is not particular to the fact that God will reside and dwell wherever he is worshipped and honored correctly. It's not relegated to a building or a campus. It is the surrender to the move of God. That is the way God desires for it to be done. He's operating in as much power in one center as he is in the other. Why? Because they have followed the pattern of what God wants worship to be. Now that revival has come, we must end our conversation today with this. What's next? Well, as a church, as a leader, as a congregant, as a believer, we must look for the pattern of worship that we have found in the Asbury and other movements. I've attempted to show it to you with this writing and now with this subsequent podcast. God has a design and a plan for how his presence and how his power will be manifested. See that plan. Make the appropriate changes to your worship. The plan must be a God-centered, God-designed, God-orchestrated plan. He has promised that he would manifest himself to those who would follow his commands and his love and love him. What does that mean? His commands are many, but where worship is concerned, we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. We are to surrender ourselves to him as the way, the truth, and the life. We are to bow ourselves to him as the Lord who rules and reigns over us. Actually, we are to abide in him. I'm going to preach on that this coming Sunday from John 14. You don't want to miss it. This is the representation of love that reveals the Father's love to us and also the love of the Son. From this love, from this worship, from this honoring, from this pattern, he manifests his love to us. There is an understanding of this as it happens in these moves of God. They may not have recognized it as so. They may have walked into it in a sincere desire and preparation to just hear the voice of God. Whatever it is, it's not only for these five or six schools, no, my friend. The pattern has come forward from God, by God, for all men to see what style and sort of worship pleases Him. I challenge you to get in tune with it. Get in lockstep with it. See what God will do in your worship as you follow the pattern that has been laid down where the presence and the power of God is manifesting himself. For it is from this pattern that our land is crying for. It is from this worship that our land is seeking. It is from this worship 
that the economy of heaven is awaiting to burst on the scene and minister to the hearts and lives of the beggar, the bruised, the broken, the blind, and those that are in bondage. I don't know where you fit into that, but I know that the pattern that God has shown us through these, these ministries at these universities, that pattern will be a pattern that will expose the love of God, that will explain the way that God does things, not only using his word, but expressing it through the Holy Spirit, and then will expand your development and your church's ability to worship in spirit and truth. God, I pray that you'll bless your word. I pray that as those that hear this do so, that they would be challenged, as I am challenged, to minister in spirit and truth and to allow you to speak as we bask in your presence. We give you glory and honor for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our High Priest, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through direct messaging, Family Fellowship Chapel. May God bless you. May the pattern of our worship be so that the manifestations of God are reflected by His appreciation and His pleasing of our worship. God bless you.